It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hey, hi, hello, welcome to the latest edition of the show before the show podcast. Um, just been sitting here listening to Sam and Ben talk about, uh, you know, professional things that they do. And I was uh, watching stuff on my phone. So that I feel like that's an accurate portrayal of the three of us. How are you guys? Normally, our, our uh, pre-show editorial meetings are much more, I'll say, PG-13 rated. Like, this was very professional. In a Today way. was very, it was X-rated. It was like a <laughs> 1970s uh, mob movie that had not passed the censors. Yeah. Ben, brutal. Ben was taking us through his hits. Uh, <laughs> it was recently. brutal. This is why Ben goes on the road every month is just to get out of New York for a little while. <laughs> to escape let, the tales. Yeah. Kind of like Grand Theft Auto style. Let the stars go down. Right. And then he right, shows exactly. back up and everybody forgets. Right. Yeah. His, yeah. his bounty in, uh, in Red Dead Redemption 2 has got to it's got to drop a little bit. Um, ben, fair. Is that a fair characterization? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> you know, I try not to go into it on air too much. And uh <laughs> Yeah, it was an X-rated discussion. For some reason, you know, not to get into like a discussion of X-rated material, but um, you know, when I was a kid, I would read the TV guide every week. It wasn't the TV guide; it was like the TV guide style insert that came in the Philadelphia Inquirer. Okay, I loved looking at the movie listings, and every once in a while, there'd be a movie that instead of the rating of like PG or R or whatever, it would say AO for adults only. And as wow. a kid, I was like, "What is this AO movie?" And it was a variety of Lady Chatterley's Lover movies. Oh, interesting. And then something like Emmanuel. Like there was like a man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, adults watch these movies. Like, whoa, Lady Chatterley's Lover. This is crazy. And uh, I still remember it to this day. <laughs> um, our, our good pal, Josh Jackson, uh, and I are big fans of a British sitcom called Peep Show. And there's an Emmanuel joke uh, in that show. And now we've incorporated one in this minor league baseball podcast. I'm very, just, I'm just proud of our range sometimes. <laughs> yeah, great, great range. And you know, now that I'm, I've been an adult for quite some time, as an adult, I never sought out Emmanuel or Lady Chatterley. <laughs> Put that on my know, these are these are choices you can make at any time yeah. now, Ben. Yeah. I don't know if that's true though, Ness. I mean, yeah, you could order it from the internet, but I feel like you know something as weird as like the the movies that you saw in the paper when you were a kid. You should be like fumbling around the back room of a of a video store in order to get those. <laughs> you can't just easily like, oh, I'll get them from Amazon. No, it's like you have to go into like the section that they have curtained off in the back of the video store. Go to Blockbuster Bend, Oregon. And see if uh, if you can figure that out. There Actually, are a lot of like twenty five year olds who are listening to this podcast just being like, like "What are you what talking? Are these about? idiots talking? There's curtains and are they a video so store? old? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In college, I worked at a video store with one of those sections. It's, ah, I do remember like being little, and you know, you'd walk by and kind of try to get a peek in, like, "What is in there? What's what are they cordoning off back there?" Uh, but this is just the the way that we tell you all that we're pivoting this podcast to only talk about 80s and 90s video rental places. <laughs> um, it's now before the show, before the main show at the theater. 
or something. Uh, but we welcome you into this week's episode of the show before the show. My name is Tyler Mon, Sam Dykstra, and Benjamin Hill, my trusty cohorts who are uh, in two separate locations today as we kick things off. You can get in touch with us, podcast at MILB.com. We got a great email the other day uh, from a guy named Luke, I believe his name was, who was asking us uh, if he could satisfy any power washing needs that we had for this podcast. So obviously very tuned in with what we do here. Uh, but you too can send along your queries, your thoughts, your comments, uh, and everything else, podcastnmilb.com. Uh, and you can find us as well on social media for however long that twitter.com exists. Ben's at Ben's Biz. Uh, Sam is at Sam Dykstra, MILB. And I am at Tyler Mon. Although Sam might need to change that because this morning he's wearing an MLB Network polo. Soon it might just be Sam Dykstra, MLB. Uh, and he is down in a town that we are deeming for this week. Sam Marillo, Texas. Oh, Hi, geez. Sam. <laughs> How long are you sitting on that? Since like the moment we started. Okay. Not not started the recording, but like since we got on the phone. See, I was I thought I was the one sitting on a joke because when you're talking about like what would our show be called, and I'm like, really, the minor leagues are the coming attractions of baseball. Oh, I see. If you I want see. to put it that way, at least in terms of a player perspective. I just thought um, of another joke that I'm just going to leave. Uh, anyway, bless. that's going to be for the post show. <laughs> Amarillo, Texas. I'm I am most overjoyed. Well, I'm going to ask you a question about something else a little bit later on. But tell us about uh, the the Amarillo experience so far, Samuel. Yeah, so I'm down here for the MLB Pipeline Game of the Month, which we talked about last week. Uh, previewed it. It's coming up on Thursday, which is tonight when we're recording. So when you guys hear this, the game will have already happened. But now explain to folks the parameters of the game of the month, because if we have fans who tuned in uh, for this episode who weren't with us last year, uh, give us the rundown of the game of the month. Yeah. So the game of the month is something we kind of envisioned as being the, I guess the, the metaphor I always use is, or the simile, I guess, is kind of like um, college game day for the minor leagues. We want to show up to a minor league ballpark and really blow out the experience. I mean, a lot of people know, especially people who listen to the show, I'm sure, know that you can stream minor league baseball games. But not everybody does. So we want to really highlight that, hey, this stuff is always available to you. We have free games of the day every day. But, hey, if we have a presence on site, we can really bring something to fans. So this year, we're blowing it out even more. I'm here with some MLB Network folks as well. We've been recording an entire ballpark tour of Hodgetown here in Amarillo, um, taking you inside the clubhouse, taking you in, over to bar 352 in left field, taking you to the dugout seats right behind home plate, bringing you places you may not go. Or if you're trying to plan a, a visit to Amarillo, showing you exactly what it looks like. It's a great companion to our ballpark guys that we talked about tons on this show. There's going to be the video that we put together from this is going to be embedded in that ballpark guide. So we're just making that even a more all-encompassing experience. Um, I've been recording a bunch of player interviews. I talked to like Jordan Lawler yesterday, A.J. Vukovic, um, Evan Carter, who you'll hear later on this show, uh, Owen White, that I'm going to be doing a pitching lab story on. He showed me a bunch of his pitching grips. Um, so you're going to see exactly what makes Owen White such a special Rangers prospect. And we're just filming a bunch of social content. We're trying to show you, like last night was Copa night here in Amarillo. So the, the Amarillo Sod Pools played as the pointy boots. And in a great piece of Texas League synergy, uh, they played the Frisco Rough Riders, but Frisco brought their Copa jersey. So they were playing as the, the Quesos. So instead of Rough Riders versus Sod Poodles, you had the Quesos versus 
uh, the pointy boots. And I love that. That's exactly what we're here for is to kind of highlight that stuff. And it's going to be a lot of packages coming to MLB.com and MILB.com in terms of visual video content. We're also doing a, a Q&A with AJ Bukovic later and doing a long, uh, longer interview with Jordan Lawler that'll be up on the site uh, as part of a partnership with Nationwide. But it's just, it, it seems like a lot of, it, it's just like a lot of stuff that we're trying to bring you right here to Amarillo, even if you've never been here. Because we hope you do come here someday. Or if you don't, we hope you watch a game on Mill TV because that's available to you. My uh, first thought among all of this is uh, from your Instagram story this morning, Sam. And uh, there was a picture of the Big Texan Steakhouse. And I just need to know if you have treated yourself to a visit actually to the Big Texan yet. So here's the thing. So that's a no. That's obviously. a no. That's a no. That's a no. Um, I'm actually staying right next door to the Big Texan. Ah! But as part of blowing out coverage of the Emerald Sod Pools, this will be my third Sod Pools game in a row tonight on Thursday. You know, I, I landed here on Tuesday. I went to the ballpark. Uh, Wednesday, I got there around noon, and I was there until 1030 at night for an epic game that we can talk about later. Uh, and today I'm about to get to the ballpark again at noon. Big Texan opens, opens at 10 a.m. They don't serve breakfast and they close by the time I'm, I'm back. So yes, but what they do serve, you know, I'm an expert on Amarillo, having spent uh, three nights there in 2019. Uh, I went to the Big Texan. I didn't eat there. I just went in. It's a very kitschy establishment. Um, but they have a eating challenge that Sam he's talking about content, content, content. Somehow I've yet to hear him talk about this content, which yeah. is why you go to Amarillo. They have yeah. an eating challenge that takes place. It is always available. Uh, it's a 72-ounce steak uh, with you know potatoes yes, and other fixings. And if you eat it in a set amount of time, you get it for free. One hour. Fame and fortune. And uh, I sent Sam a picture that I'd taken saying, hey, you can do this. Um, you know, being really thoughtful about how he could provide the best content to the people. And, oh, I'm at the ballpark. Oh, I'm doing minor league baseball things. Sam, big Texan, skip the game tonight if you have to. People want to hear about the prospects. Yeah. Yeah, my meat <laughs> okay, no, no. You know what I did for this content that you guys are talking about? And Let's hear it. I'm, I had a calf fry on camera. All right. Oh, get out of here. All right, oh, get, him, oh, get out of here. Give him some credit for that. He ate a calf fry. There are what, like six? Sam is not in town for a calf fry promo night, but the sod poodles are playing as the calf fry is what I think on six occasions this year. Um, so Sam, was this a special calf fry and that they weren't selling it in the ballpark, but one was acquired just for you? How, how, what was the experience here? And a calf fry is, you know, oh, you know, we're a family show, even though we were talking about adults only content at the front. It's a Rocky Mountain Oyster under a different Rocky name. Mountain Oyster. It's a, uh, a male, it's a bull related delicacy yeah and I mean, thank you for, for the bowl. It special, <laughs> ben. thank you for saying they made it specially for me because you know what they did make it special <laughs> we had to ask them because we wanted on camera for emerald to show us like some of the stuff they make at the ballpark and that people can enjoy so they made like the wiggly piggly or piggly wiggly hot dog they made loaded uh texas style waffle fries they brought out the two foot burrito for us to try which is very good, actually. I only had a third of it, but it was very good. Um, but they also brought out calf fries, especially for us. And they served them in a helmet. In a special calf fries themed helmet. 
with the calf rice logo on it. It was it was special. That's all I'm saying. The taste. Right. How was it? Yeah. The taste was basically like anything fried. You know, yeah. it's just it's just loaded with batter. They give you a little cocktail sauce to dip it in. I'm chewing through it and I'm like, this just tastes like a fried anything to me. But I've talked to other people uh, who had it and who had it along with me and they didn't agree with the texture, which I think that was more mental than physical. Yeah, I think so. But I also told people. Tasted a little nutty. (laughs) I I did not get that (laughs) note, but uh, maybe they were thinking it. Um, But when I put it on Twitter, like, hey, don't think about its origins and you're fine. And somebody was like, do you ever think of meat origins when you're eating? And I'm like, no, I don't. That's true. True. I don't think of what they put in a hot dog. I just eat the hot dog. So no, it's that famous uh, Simpsons graphic of what goes into a hot dog, including like a boot and a, you know, a shoelace. Um, okay. Well, uh, I'm very disappointed in you that you haven't been to the big Texan, especially that Ben gave you specific recommendations for it. There is a 72 ounce steak in one hour challenge at the big Texan steakhouse. In which if you request it, they put they have these giant digital clocks on the wall that start counting down from 60 minutes. It's very cool. I will say, though, uh, the big tech. So my my fiance from East Texas, we drove uh, last year, went to Austin for a wedding and then we went to her hometown. So we stopped in Amarillo the first night. We went to the big Texan. Um, Not only was the steak amazing, the best baked potato I've ever had in my life. Big Texan steakhouse. It was to the point where, like, you don't often have a baked potato and like think about it later on but i i'm still thinking about the baked potato that i had in amarillo like 11 months ago listen months it's ago. it's 11 a.m right now the big texan is open i don't have to be at the ballpark until 12 30 so we could just pick this so up we could speed this up yeah. i also <laughs> I don't understand your your gripe that they open at 10 but they don't serve breakfast have a steak sam come on steak and eggs are a thing yeah but just steak solo is a thing no i i After need to go 10 to breakfast a.m.? places Breakfast is a, an important meal of the day. <sighs> all right. Well, you're a disappointment to all of us. Um, <laughs> I think that's the, the first time you said that on this podcast, which I feel very proud about, to be honest. From the uh, from the baseball standpoint, though, the the things that you've loved most about Amarillo uh, from the ballpark experience, we're, we're going to have a conversation with a player that you talked to in Amarillo, though not a sod poodle. Um, what's the what's the ballpark uh, experience and the and the viewing experience, the baseball experience been like? And Ben, uh, feel free to piggyback off of this. You were you know part of the real early um, visitors to that ballpark in in 2019. Yeah, uh, when, when I went the sod 29... got there. Right. When I went in 2019, that was their first season. And I was saying this to Sam before he left and be curious if it kind of holds over. I know the weather hasn't been great. The game Sam has gone to, so maybe not like the best crowds, but um, you know, Amarillo had had a Texas league team, you know, decades ago and then hadn't had minor league baseball for a long time. And the old stadium, I believe it was called Potter stadium is only a couple of miles away from Hodgetown, but it's night and day. And so when Hodgetown opened and the sod poodles debuted, I just had this sense when I was in Amarillo that almost everyone I talked to just had this feeling of like, wow, like we didn't know this is what minor league baseball was is right now. And this is amazing. And like, can you believe this is an Amarillo? There was just like a ton of excitement for the existence of the sod poodles. And it's, I'm not knocking Amarillo, but I think it's a town with maybe a little less to do on the entertainment schedule um, than other double a markets. You know, it is a wide open, it's a city, but it's a wide open, uh, you know, Texas uh, locale at the same time, you know, a lot of rural living, a lot of ranching. Um, 
so not a ton of other stuff going on necessarily. And just the excitement for the sod poodles and this entity uh, was like palpable when I was there. And uh, it, do you sense that four years later, Sam, that sod poodles mania is uh, is still a thing? I, th I think it is. Um, you're right that like the, the days I've been here have been cold April weather. I mean, it was cold and rainy last night. There weren't that many people at the mall park, but all the suites were filled. And they're still selling out those dugout seats. And even if you're not sitting there being cold and rainy, you can still go up to the suite level. And everybody seemed to have, be having a great time. Like, this is what you do on a Wednesday night in Amarillo, is you come to the ballpark. It's a big open bar, essentially. I mean, not open bar in that you're not paying for alcohol, <laughs> but like a big wide open stadium that you can you can easily move around. It's got one of those 360 concourses. And talking to, you know, President GM Tony Ensor, and he, he was giving us the tour yesterday, he said, that's by design. We wanted to make a stadium that was pretty open concept. We know people now aren't looking to just sit in a seat for two and a half to three hours. They want to be moving. They want to experience different aspects of the ballpark. And we want to give them access to all that. Um, so even on nights like last night, there was still a big presence because people could go inside. They could get warm. They could come back out. They could move around. Um, that was really cool. And just I think the way the ballpark is set up, is that it's pretty well stacked on itself. It's one of those city ballparks that had to be fit into a certain location. It was built on the grounds of a former Coke bottling plant. Um, so they didn't have like acres and acres of space to build on. So it's kind of tight in that area. And it's it, there's not that many seats at 6,200, but it can get loud. I mean, the, the game I was at on Tuesday night, Amarillo was coming back after being down 7-1 at some point. And there may have been a thousand people left in the crowd. It sounded like three or four thousand. Everybody was right in it. They were yelling and screaming. They were getting loud. They, I'm sure you could hear it from blocks away. Um, there still seems to be that feeling of this is cool. This is the thing we do here in Amarillo. Uh, I would love to come back in a warmer time, you know, in in July and August and see what a real crowd is like. But I think we're going to get a taste of that tonight on Thursday. I mean, temperatures are back up. And uh, the 70 degrees, it's Thirsty Thursday. I mean, I, I'm expecting another great crowd tonight, and I'm sure that's going to be even louder. Well, it is going to be a bunch of fun uh, in Amarillo all season long, but uh, especially tonight with Sam Dykstra in the house. People know what, uh, what the coolest moments of the season are. Uh, and speaking of being on the road, oh. Well, I just wanted to say one other yes, thing. Sir. One other thing about Amarillo that um, I've constantly brought up about that place when, whenever we talk about it is how hitter-friendly it is. Because of its it's at elevation, because there's usually some wind, it's usually going right to left. So if you're a right-handed batter, you just hit it up into the breeze, and it's going to kind of just go. And guys routinely have ERAs in the sevens or eights in games played at Amarillo. Um, but the the two games I've been here, it's lived up to that or that reputation. Uh, the first game, Amarillo was down seven to one, end up winning nine to seven. Last night, I'm at that game. It's eleven to one. In, with Frisco, it's cold and rainy. You feel like everybody's just trying to pack it in. They end up winning 12 to, to 11 in extra innings. And Jordan Lawler hits a three-run homer in the eighth, and then he gets the walk-off single in the bottom of the 10th. I mean, he even said it. Like, you can feel it. Anything can happen. He said anything can happen at the Hodge, which I, I love. I hope they print shirts that say that. But no lead is safe. You feel like anything can just snowball. And to see that in person these last two nights has been really special. Now, having said that tonight's game, is going to be three, two, but you know, that's the way it goes, but still to know about this place and, and cover it for a while and think like, okay, this is what I expect. 
And then to see it in person has been really special. So if you're a fan of offense, if you want to see some crooked numbers, Amarillo is the place to be. A lot of fun stuff uh, coming from that visit, of course, to uh, the sites. And uh, you can follow Sam on Twitter at Sam Dykstra, M-I-L-B. And as noted, speaking of being on the road, our intrepid road journeying reporter, Benjamin Hill, is headed back on the road in 2023. Uh, Trips coming up. Ben, let's hear it. Unveil itinerary number one. Yeah, I'm doing it. I've made an itinerary for the whole season. I think I'm just going to announce them one at a time because things can be subject to change, maybe some tweaks, but I've got a season schedule down finally. And uh, it starts uh, a week from when this podcast drops. Um, Friday, May 5th, I'm flying to Eugene, Oregon and uh, seeing the Emeralds. Hopefully I'll see a game that night if travel goes well, but then I'll be in town again in Eugene on May 6th to see uh, the Emerald's second game in which they play is the Exploding Whales. We've talked about this on the podcast. Um, you know, the town of Florence, which is a little more than an hour to the west on the coast. Uh, in 1970, they had a beached sperm whale wash up uh, on the beach and they didn't know what to do with it, how to get rid of it. And they came up with the idea to put some dynamite in it and blow it up, you know, thinking that it would just disperse into smaller chunks and the bird would eat it. The birds would eat it. And, uh, they put way too much dynamite in that thing and it blew up and it's a classic moment to this day. Uh, I've always been fascinated with it. So when it came time to get back on the road, I wanted to give myself, you know, at least one game with a real hook. And I thought, ah, I haven't been to Eugene since 2012 and uh, best way to do it 11 years later, you know, go for an exploding Wales game. So I'll be in Eugene on May 5th and 6th. Hopefully there'll be a lot of other stuff to explore there as well. They also just released a um, Mary Prankster's identity. Uh, based on Eugene's, you know, countercultural legacy, Ken Kesey um, is from Eugene, uh, Tom Wolf's book, um, The Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test, you know, documented, uh, you know, some uh, hallucinogenic exploration uh, with Eugene roots and University of Oregon roots uh, at, at, at the core. So there's a real uh, countercultural hippie um, psychedelic legacy there. So maybe I can uh, poke into that as well. So you got exploding whales, you got hallucinogenics. Um, we'll see what Eugene brings, but that should be a good one. Uh, May 5th and 6th. And then uh, heading up uh, on Sunday, May 7th to Hillsboro, home of the hops, Ron Tonkin Field. I was last there in 2013 for the hops inaugural season at Ron Tonkin Field. Hard to believe that 2023 is the penultimate season at that ballpark. Uh, but with new uh, standards for minor league baseball uh, facilities, as well as the fact that Ron Tonkin field was kind of built with more of a short season team in mind, because that's what the hops were up through 20 until 2021. Uh, the hops are moving to, to a new ballpark in 2025, right across the street from uh, Ron Tonkin field, which is part of a larger athletic facility. Uh, so Hey, that gives me hopefully an excuse to get back to Hillsborough for a new ballpark in a couple of years. But for now, uh, great to go back to the Tonk again on a Sunday afternoon. Um, been in touch with the team, got a, got some decent uh, leads there for things to cover. Uh, then Monday, it was an off day in minor league baseball. I was saying this off air, you know, I don't really like uh, that from a road trip perspective because, um, you know, I'm not as gone on the road as, as long as I used to be, especially having a two-year-old at home. So every day I'm out there, I want to go to a game, but not sure what I'll do that Monday. But Tuesday, which would be uh, May 9th, Tacoma Rainiers at Cheney Stadium. 
have not been there since 2012. So interested to go there again. I'm sure a lot has changed. That's the oldest ballpark in AAA. Um, you know, it's been through tons of renovations through the years, but it dates back to 1960. Um, so overdue to go there as well. And then finally on Wednesday, which would be May 10th, Vancouver Canadians, again, for the first time since 2012, uh, bringing my passport on a road trip and going to Nap Bailey Stadium, home of the Vancouver Canadians. I loved that ballpark last time I went. Just a, a classic in every sense of the word, word, just a real throwback. Fans who are super engaged. Um, so it's a Wednesday night in May, but I'm, I'm sure that will uh, you know, be worth it as well. So that's how I'm starting things off with those four teams starting uh, next week on Friday, May 5th. Eugene Emeralds, Hillsborough Hops, Tacoma Rainiers, and uh, Vancouver Canadians. So I'm looking forward to all that and uh, starting this uh, season of travel. And uh, now I have Sam Dykstra as a, a frenemy of sorts who's out there on his own. And I got, ah, I can't be one up by Sam Dykstra. I got to get out there myself. And, uh, you know, to be motivated by spite and jealousy is is the best way to go. I mean, if if anything, this is a friendly rivalry, right? Yes. Yeah, it's friendly, or I act like it's friendly, but on the inside, I'm just, oh no, I'm being replaced by Sam Dykstra. Doesn't he have enough prospects to cover? Now he's doing the whole <laughs> business thing. No one else is allowed to go to minor league stadiums except me. I should be I the mean, attendance. The, the the word of emphasis for me on that was rivalry. I just wanted to make sure that we included friendly, but it's a you know it can wow. be quiet and friendly if you want. Wow. Yeah. Well, wait till my prospect coverage drops. It's going to be uh, yeah, Sam. The yeah. Ben's the Ben's Biz Top 100 will be yeah. epic. Yeah, it's going to be all guys who are 28 years or older and have played at least 10 years in the minors, probably have indie ball roots. Those are the guys poised to break through. My favorites, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get on that right now. Yeah. Despite no longer being prospect eligible, Hobie Milner once again is number one. Yeah, he's, Hobie Milner has been number one on my list for a long time, ever since he was on the Phillies. You gotta go, you gotta love the whole Hobie Milner's of baseball, but I feel like we just got off track. That happens sometimes. Um, I won't see Hobie Milner on this road trip, and um, I think Sam and I will will get through this period of uh, professional rivalry, and everything will be okay. And uh, I'm excited to go back on the road. Yeah, I mean. One thing I want to ask you, Ben, is you're going through the Pacific Northwest, and I think a lot of people think about Pacific Northwest, you think of the Seattle Mariners, and for most people, that's about it. I mean, you look at, like, the major league presence up there, the Mariners, the closest team to them is what, the Giants and the A's? I mean, they're kind of on an island for major league baseball, but they're certainly not in terms of minor league baseball. What do you think defines the Northwest League as a league and maybe, you know, in terms of all these stops you're making, like... What defines that area in terms of baseball? Yeah, I mean, three of these four teams are in the Northwest League. The you know Tacoma is, of course, AAA. Um, you know, speaking of Seattle, a team I wanted to work into this itinerary, but you know, they're on the road is the, the Everett Aqua Sox, who are a, a Mariners affiliate and play fairly close to Seattle. Um, but the Northwest League is great. I mean, now there's only it used to be a I believe a eight team short season league, and uh, since 2021, it's a six team uh, full season league. Uh, at high A. Uh, so there's, you know, a lot of history with these teams, um, you know, smaller ballparks, um, often some pretty beautiful settings, if not at the ballpark itself, just the larger region. Uh, certainly I'm looking forward just to literally being on the road <laughs> because uh, there's such, you know, beautiful landscapes when you, when you drive around the Pacific Northwest. 
But yeah, there's a lot of history. Eugene, the Emeralds date back decades and decades and decades um, for having a team named the Emeralds in the city of Eugene. So there's a lot of history there. They used to play at Civic Stadium, um, which was a classic ballpark. They had a, um, they were a Phillies affiliate, a Phillies triple A affiliate for a number of years. You know, Mike Schmidt played there at triple A just before coming to the uh, major leagues and breaking in with the Phillies in 1972. Um, so you know, there's history in those locales, Hillsboro, um, you know, a newer environment, but, you know, representing the Portland market, you know, which has a, a ton of baseball history um, and Vancouver, again, a, a former AAA, AAA team with one of the most classic old, old ballparks, uh, not just in minor league baseball, but in all of baseball period. So there's a lot of history to explore. You already mentioned Tacoma, Cheney Stadium being um, the oldest stadium in AAA. Uh, so these are teams and towns that have roots with professional baseball. And Sam, like you said, um, even though the Mariners are quite isolated on the major league level, there's a lot of towns, um, you know, within a couple hours of Seattle that are longtime hosts of minor league baseball. And, you know, it's important for people to know that and, uh, you know, beautiful area of the country to visit in any context. And it's great for baseball. So that is what is on the horizon for Sam Dykstra and Benjamin Hill. And uh, we have something on the horizon from Sam Dykstra, and uh, that is a conversation with the top prospect in the Texas Rangers organization, Evan Carter, a guy who is from an Appalachian League town, by the way. I just want to point out that he is from Elizabethton, Tennessee, um, yeah. and that's pretty cool. Sam, uh, give us the uh, the lowdown. What's coming up with Evan Carter? Yeah, Evan Carter, as you mentioned, Tyler, is the top prospect in the Rangers system, and somebody we've talked about you know, on the prospect side of somebody we might bump up in our top 100 when we do a market corrections here upcoming in may um entering thursday he has a 514 on base percentage in the texas league that that would be astounding at any age but he's only 20 years old he's not turning 21 until late in august and i know there's some rumblings around arlington that like should he just skip triple a and join the major league club i i don't think that's going to happen we, we talk a little bit about that uh with him in this interview but he has a tremendous eye. He might have the best eye in minor league baseball in terms of judging what's a strike, what's a ball, what to swing at, what not to swing at. And that's a skill that translates everywhere. Um, and he's not just that. I mean, he has a plus run tool. He plays center field. He plays a good center field. I saw him homer the other day. Um, we have his power at 50, but it was a shot to the opposite field and left center. So, you know, his power plays basically anywhere. Um Evan Carter could be a big piece of the puzzle for the Texas Rangers, a team that has been very active on the free agent market the last few years and has a good farm system that just needs to produce at the major league level. Um, so Evan Carter's putting himself on that map. And here I am talking to him before this week's MLB Pipeline Game of the Month from Amarillo. They ain't just like a little yipping dog, a little bit smaller than a big ground hog. They run real wild and they smile all the time. They used to be called Prairie Dogs, but that won't work for double-A ball when it's the bottom of the ninth and the game is on the line. They are the Sod Poodles, Sod Poodles, that's right, they're called the Sod Poodles. And when you come to our rough and rugged town, you might laugh and point and say, oh lordy man, their name's insane, but you won't be laughing when you get beat down. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. All right, Evan, uh, this is your second year in the Texas League. Just what is it like being at AA, first and foremost, being two stops away from the major leagues? Yeah, it's uh, you know it's just a stop along the way. It's super exciting. We've got a great club here going on right now and uh, just trying to you know, make the most of the opportunities we've got here right now and just uh, see where it takes us from there. Yeah, and what stands out so much about this talented club? You guys have multiple top 100 prospects, multiple guys ranked within the Rangers' top 30. What is so special about these guys, and how have you guys kind of coalesced these first couple weeks? Yeah, you know, I think it's been great just because not only is there a lot of talent on the team, but it's a great clubhouse environment, too. You know, we got a lot of great personalities, and uh, along with that, the coaching staff's been great, too. So um, it's really cool to get to compete, you know, with, with your own team and get better. It's, it's awesome. Who are you looking forward to playing with most on this Frisco team when you found out you were going to AA again? Yeah, so I think that um, obviously Thompson JC was with me last year. He's my best friend. I love playing with him. He's you know a great clubhouse guy. Uh, Louis Sanhill, he's great. I, there's just there's so many people to name, and uh, it's it's been really good. Yeah, and you got a couple days in this ballpark now. It's known as one of the most hitter friendly in the minor leagues. What stood out to you about playing here specifically? Yeah, you know, I saw, saw it yesterday. Hitter friendly for me. Uh, firsthand you know it's really cool um obviously the weather's awful right now but you know it's uh it's a really it's a beautiful park and uh just try and take advantage of it while you're here for sure and evan you're off to a great start too you've got an obp above 500 a lot of people consider you to have one of the best eyes in minor league baseball in terms of knowing what's a ball in the strike how has that developed at this point in your career i appreciate it um you know i think that i think that as far as developing it, man, I, I don't really know. I've asked, got asked that a lot, and I don't really know where it came from. It just kind of has been one of those things that I've done since I've been in the Rangers organization, and I think it's helped a lot. Um, and it's definitely gotten better as I've gone up. You know, you can't get behind against pitchers that are really good. You know, you got to try and get offensive counts as much as you can. Yeah, and how is that something you develop? Are there drills you work on in the offseason? Like, I know a lot of guys work with, like, VR stuff. Is there anything you work on to improve that specific part of your game? Yeah, I think that I've done a little bit of vision training, I guess, um, as far as just for your eyes. But as you know, I've never really done the VR stuff and things like that. But I, I think vision training is kind of one of the things that has helped me a little bit. What, what is vision training? Kind of take us through that. Just basically watching things move really quick. Uh, I guess you can do it on a computer. Something will flash up really quick, and you'll try and you know recognize what was on there. Just track things, or just make sure that you can follow. Uh, a really fast-moving object. It's kind of it's kind of interesting to get into. Oh, okay. And at what point did you start using that? Was that something the Rangers brought to you? Was that something you brought to yourself? Like, yeah, I saw um, actually a couple players use it before. Uh, Tom JC actually done it before too. Um, so he just kind of introduced it to me. And uh, the Rangers do use it a little bit as far as just actually testing your eyes. So it's uh, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what else do you kind of attribute such a hot start? 
to begin this season because I know you got a little bit of time at AA last year, but you're still here relatively young and off to a quick start. What is you feel like, what has worked best? Man, honestly, I'm just on the mental side of things, just having fun, uh, going out there and whatever happens, happens. Uh, not really trying to set expectations for myself. Um, just going out there, competing every night, you know, and just letting whatever happens, happens. It's been really good for me. So what do you feel like has clicked the most then when you're, when you're just going through that thought process? Yeah, I think that um, whenever I just kind of free myself up mentally, you know, I, I play better. You know, if I'm out there trying to press or do too much, then, you know, you start slowing down, rotation gets a little slower. You just, you, you're not yourself. Um, so I guess that's kind of what's clicked for me, just being relaxed at the plate. Yeah, and you were talking before about your homer here last night. It was an oppo shot left center. What went into that at bat, and how, is, how did everything click towards that in terms of the approach you've developed so far? Yeah, man, they've been uh, just tossing a lot of sliders in there the whole game, so just kind of trying to not necessarily sitting slider, but recognizing that I'm probably going to you know, get one in the zone that at bat and just kind of going up there with that approach. Is that something you feel like has happened to you a lot in double A, is that you're getting a lot of breaking balls? Um, I, I hope I keep doing it because I love breaking <laughs> balls, man. I, yeah, I think I've got a lot of off-speed pitches, and uh, that's fine. You know, if you throw it in the zone, I'll hit it. And if you throw it out of the zone, I'm not going to swing at it. So it's it, it's fine by me. What has been the most eye-opening experience about being in double-A between last year and this year? Um, I think that just the level of play, it's, it's really cool to kind of realize how close you actually are to the big leagues. Um, you know, you see rehab people come down, and you play with them and just realize, man, they're – you know, you're, you're right there. You're really close to just kind of get that feel of, you know, especially like Leody Tavares was down with us a couple of weeks ago. It's kind of cool. Yeah, and what do you feel like was the specific moment where you realized just how close you were? Um, probably, honestly, just when he came down, you know, he he comes and plays with us for a little while, and next thing you know, he's back up in the big leagues. You know, it's and you see people get called up from AA all the time, so it's uh, it's definitely, especially for Frisco, you know, the big league stadium's 20 minutes down the road, so you try not to let that creep in, but... It definitely is there for sure. Yeah, I was going to ask. Are you somebody who like looks at a depth chart and tries to figure out? No, like, no, no, no. Shoot, play, play in GM in your head's a dangerous game, man. You just go out there and do what you can do, and whatever happens from there, you can't, you can't control it. Mm-hmm. Well, between your approach and the start you've had, I mean, how close do you feel now compared to when you were in surprise a couple weeks ago? Yeah, man. I mean, I, in my head, you know, I'm always going to think that you're right there and you're ready to play, and you feel like you can contribute. You just got to keep. You know, making your case. You know, you can't control the decisions that are made above you, but you just keep playing your game and, you know, making your case for the decisions that are being made. That's all you can do. What do you feel like is the Evan Carter case then? Man, I, I guess for me it would just be I'm I'm doing what I can do right now, man. I'm, right. you know, I just keep performing and hopefully we can keep things rolling and, you know, stay, stay at this pace and uh, hopefully not fall off or anything. So we'll just see how the rest of the season goes. Yeah, one thing I want to touch on with you is you were part of one of the most interesting draft classes in history, obviously, being part of a shortened draft, shortened spring going into it. What was it like going through that process coming out of Tennessee? Yeah, it was uh, interesting is a good word for it. It was, uh, you know, you go from not really thinking you're going to get drafted at all to, you know, you're, you see your name pop up on the TV. It was really – it was – I'm super blessed to be in the position I'm at now, you know, and uh, the Rangers are an incredible organization, so it's it's been really good. Yeah, and you said you were th- thinking you weren't going to get drafted at all. Was that at what point did that pro- thought process stop? Um, you know, I think that we didn't get to play. I think I played like two or three high school games that year, so we didn't really get to do that. But um, Kip Fag was at one of my high school games. Got to talk to him a little bit, and you know they they were there with me and. Uh, it was, uh, I guess, kind of then, just like, hey, you know, they're really showing interest, and uh, I guess that was kind of the point in time where I thought I had a chance. So uh, did you think you were going to – when did you find out you were going in the second round? Was it a few minutes before? Was it when you saw your name on TV? Um, I, uh, 
when I saw my name on the TV is when you know for sure. You never know. <laughs> I mean, anything could happen. Um, you, somebody could say one thing and that doesn't go through. But, you know, the Rangers, you know, they said the, what they were going to do, and that's exactly what happened. So credit to them. What was your draft day experience like? Where, where were you when you found out? It was great, man. Well, we were at home. Um, I was with my family. My, my now wife's family was there with me and a couple of my buddies from back home. So it was really good. And... You know, I feel like a lot of people didn't know who you were. You know, you had some scouts, like you said, from the Rangers who knew that. But, like, what was it like going through that, seeing rankings coming out, seeing mock drafts come out, your name's not coming up, and then have that have the Rangers have such confidence in you? Yeah, I mean, I the mock drafts and everything, I wasn't even keeping up with any of it because I was like, man, I'm going to school. Like, that's all that matters to me. You know, I'm going to go get an education and, you know, maybe get drafted out of college and uh, – right. I guess when you actually do get drafted, you in hindsight you look back and you're like, man, like I wasn't on any of that stuff. You know, this is kind of cool. Um, but you know, I I know what I'm about. And the Rangers knew what I was about, and just kind of you got to trust that you know that's right. Yeah. In those initial conversations with scouts from the Rangers, what did they like most about you? What did you feel like plugged best into this system? You know, I, I've never really asked asked anybody <laughs> that before. I'm, it, it worked out great. You know, right. I don't. I, you'd have to ask them. That, I don't know. Okay, well, fair enough. But now you're in an organization. They're investing in the major league club, signing guys like Marcus Semyon, Corey Seager, Jacob yeah. Degrom. What is it like seeing this organization build the way it has? The last yeah, time? you know they're they're spending money and uh, it's it's exciting. You know they want to win and so do we. So you just hope to be part of a winning organization here really soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're talking to you here from Texas. You're a Tennessee guy. Mm-hmm. What have you learned about Texas now that you're playing here? You may be building a career there in a few years or yeah. even this year. Yeah, I love it. You know, there's there's a lot of barbecue's really good and that's kind of what I've <laughs> kind of learned so far but um and the people are really nice you know it's, it's a great town especially Frisco but you know Arlington I know is going to be the exact same way so I'm really excited what's your go-to barbecue order now barbecue brisket. brisket brisket I love it yeah it's really good they don't have, they don't make it like that at home not at home no <laughs> <laughs> no Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, a big thanks to Evan Carter from the Texas Rangers organization for joining us on this week's episode of the show before the show. No ghosts of the minors this week, but we are excited to uh, preview some games that are coming up on MILB.TV. And uh, Sam, kick us off. What are you uh, keeping an eye on? Yeah, so this one is going to be pretty immediate for folks in terms of um, the free game of the day. I mean, this is the free game of the day on Friday. But again, six-game series, you can watch Saturday or Sunday. These two teams are still going to be playing each other. Uh, It is Memphis and Durham. Uh, Memphis, we knew, was pretty loaded to begin with. They had Mason Wynn on the roster. You always want to tune in because he can fire some dart across the diamond that's going to register 100 miles an hour. Um, I know he played some second base earlier in the year, but, you know, the arm's always going to be special. He's a defensive highlight. But then we got news this week that the Cardinals optioned Jordan Walker to AAA. Yeah. That's That's a thing that happened. Literally everybody I talked to about about him at the ballpark this week was like, do you know why this happened? And I I kind of do in that he's been bad in the outfield. I mean, like by some metrics, he's been the worst outfielder in Major League Baseball, but that's because he's still transitioning there. He needs playing time. I guess he's going to get it in Memphis, but the bat was special. I mean, that inning streak 
didn't go away. That happened for a reason. His WRC plus right now is 101. He's a league average bat for a young guy. He just yeah. needs to continue to get reps. It's a little baffling. I, I think they kind of found the wrong scapegoat for the Cardinals' early troubles, but you know that's what kind of goes when you're a rookie. And looking back at like last year with Julio Rodriguez and Adley Rutschman and Bobby Witt Jr., those guys all got off slow starts. And guess what? Then they took the league by storm by the second half. I still think that's possible with Jordan Walker, but if you're a Cardinals fan, you'll want to check in with him uh, over the weekend on Mill TV and MLB TV, but especially on Friday when it's three game of the day. On the Durham side, we know Curtis Mead is a really special hitter. Been talking about that for a long time. Kyle, Kyle Manzardo, their other top 100 prospect, is off to a great start. He got an aggressive assignment to AAA after, I think, about 30 AA games last year, but he's had no problem with that transition uh, playing first base and showing a little bit more power than maybe we expect to do, along with a really good hit tool like Curtis Mead. So should be some fun bats in that Memphis-Durham matchup. Tyler, what are you watching? Yeah, I'm uh, going to be the following day's free game of the week, which is uh, – or free game of the day, I should say, which is Louisville against Iowa coming up on Saturday afternoon. The eighth-ranked prospect in baseball is the Cincinnati Reds infielder, Ellie De La Cruz, who was back with that AAA Louisville team. Uh, he had a left hamstring strain that he uh, suffered during spring training, but he's back and healthy and, uh, and rolling out the start to his season. He and his uh, Louisville bats will be taking on the Iowa Cubs. Uh, who have Brennan Davis on that roster, my pick for the 2022 National League Rookie of the Year that didn't work out. Um, but uh, that's a good one that's coming up on Saturday afternoon. Uh, ben, there's a lot coming up from your side of things as well. Uh, as in, in addition to that, uh, we've got a, a special episode that's on the way that we've been teasing for a little while that we're getting set to put together next week. Yeah, both of those things. You know, since you guys are talking about, you know, games of the week, um, Looking at it from more the uh, you know promotional side of things, um, you know interesting things that are just taking place in the minors uh, on that level. Well, you know we've we've had this conversation before. Don't need to get into another tired argument now. I'm not a Star Wars guy. It just does not uh, never really struck me as a franchise worth following. But clearly, billions of people disagree. And uh, really, starting on Friday. And then continuing into next week, you know, through May the 4th, uh, which is a Thursday, um, you know, teams put Star Wars night all over the schedule. You know, they they take place throughout the summer here and there, but they are most highly concentrated beginning on Friday night. So uh, if you're a Star Wars fan and you like minor league baseball, uh, you know, check your local listings because uh, a lot of teams, you know, wearing the specialty jerseys. Uh, the 501st Legion is always a or usually a component of those promotions. You know, the local chapter of the 501st Legion, you know, who have very specific standards for their costumes. They come out in character. Uh, so Star Wars all over the place uh, starting Friday and continuing into next week. Uh, you know, I talk about the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp quite a bit just for their um, wacky theme nights and some of the most creative theme nights out there. You know, fresh off their Swedish furniture promotion where they had fans uh, in a race to assemble Ikea furniture during a ball game. Uh, their next one, uh, their next premier wacky theme night is Friday, today, tonight. Uh, if you can't duct it, meaning D-U-C-T, duct it. And they're going to try to use duct tape in, in a lot of uh, creative circumstances uh, I did get word that uh, that might even involve uh, duct taping an employee, you know, to a concourse pole or something like that. So we're going to see some real creative uses of duct tape uh, in Jacksonville. So I think those are some of the big ones, uh, you know, coming up in the immediate future. 
Uh, you know, promo schedules are still a little light this time of year. Uh, you know, before you know, school's still in session, the weather can be not great. I'd also like to point out uh, on May the 4th, instead of a Star Wars night, Columbia Fireflies are welcoming the human cannonball. And that's something I've never seen at a ballpark, and I always want to. Uh, but a guy, I believe his name is David Smith, uh, gets shot out of a cannon after the game. And that's just quintessential American entertainment. I hope to see that at a ballpark at some point. Talk to the human cannonball himself. But he'll be in Columbia on Thursday, May 4th. So forget Star Wars. Shoot a man out of a cannon instead. No CGI required. Yeah, exactly. This is old school. That's an old, the old school way to get to space. One of the biggest regrets of my uh, career in minor league baseball was that once uh, we had the uh, the human torch. Remember that guy? The guy who runs the bases while lit on fire? Head Bachelor. I yeah. was in regular contact with him for years and promoted everything he did. I haven't seen him around anymore. I hope he's still doing okay. But that guy was a professional stuntman who tried to get booked at minor league ballparks by getting lit on fire after the game and running around. And running the, the bases. And uh, he did show up in a, a few locales. I remember Savannah was one of the first ones back when they had the sand gnats. And it was awesome looking. And Tyler, so you were there. You saw it. it so awesome. it's kind uh, of disturbing too, right? I mean. We did not get to see it. We got rained out that night. Oh, no. And, I was, and he had, I think he had another game booked like the next day. And we we're like, wow, we're going to try to get him back later in the season. Never happened. I was so bummed. Oh, I would have been super bummed about that. It was a kind of disturbing visual because it was his whole body was just flames. And he would run around the whole ballpark and get to home plate and then get doused. Um, but the pictures looked a little disturbing, but to me, awesome. I mean, I, I wish there was more of that kind of thing. The old school stuntmen, vaudeville style entertainers, yeah. you know, the classic Coney Island freak show type mentality, you know, just, I, I, I miss that. Um, or I'd like to see more of it, but yeah, Ted Batchelor, I should reach out to him. I used to be in regular contact. He had a booth at the winter meetings one year being like, yo, book me at your ballpark. Now, what would have been some real dedication was if he was lit on fire for the entirety of the winter meetings. Yeah, just sitting at a trade show just on fire the whole time. <laughs> just sitting in a fireproof chair while he's up in flames. Uh, but he was he was a very cool act. Um, before we get out of here on this week's episode, um, we have a member of the show before the show family who is uh, hurting this week. Josh Jackson uh, and his lovely wife, Ella Tabaski, they had to uh, say goodbye to their little, I believe, five-year-old dog, Callie. And we just wanted to uh, to tell Josh and Ella how much we love them and we're thinking of them. Um, they just lost their cat, Mickey, earlier this year. Uh, and Callie um, was sick and uh, and diagnosed with uh, a very rare and bizarre form of cancer. And um, it's been really tough last couple of days. That actually just happened yesterday uh, as we are uh, recording this on Thursday, uh, early afternoon, Eastern time. And um, they did everything they could for, for Callie and, um, you know, tried some treatment options and all that kind of stuff. And things just were not headed in the right direction. And they were uh, forced to say goodbye to Callie yesterday. And um, Callie was a, an awesome dog that we uh, got a chance to meet um in in california in the early days of uh of cal dog's uh tenure in the jackson tabaski family tabaski jackson family uh and we're obviously hurting for josh and ella and we will love them both so much and uh if you follow josh on social media go tell him that you love him and um you know just uh it's i said to josh 
there is a uh, a movie quote that pops into my head during um, times like this, which is kind of a weird one, but it's a quote from Forrest Gump when uh, when Jenny returns to her childhood home where things were not good and she throws a ton of rocks at the windows and or at the house and breaks some windows and collapses out in front of the house. And uh, the, the voiceover moment is sometimes there just aren't enough rocks. And I told Josh, like, that's how it feels sometimes when things like this happen. Like, there's just nothing, nothing good that comes from it. And uh sucks, man. And it's a guy that we love uh, a lot. And uh, so we're thinking about you, pal. Yeah. I mean, anybody who followed Josh on social media, you got to know Callie in some way. I mean, she even went to a bark in the park event last week in yeah. Portland for a little bit of time. Yeah, um, I know she didn't stay very long. She was uh, not. She was not into the uh, the actual sitting in the ballpark watching the baseball game part. But apparently, yeah. she loved the dog parade around the warning track. Yeah, I mean, if you got to know Callie at all, you knew she had like one of the brightest personalities of any li- living being I've ever known. Like, just the most infectious face uh, in terms of like just you. You could see a smile on her face being around Josh Miller, and you could tell when she's sad. You could tell when she's happy. Felt when she was mad, um, just one of the best dogs, and and to get to experience her through Josh and Ella was a joy in my life. And I only got to meet her once in Venice, California, um, but it's, it was an experience I always carried with me. And and knowing that she was out there was was a joy to me and a brightness for me. And um, and I know that's a hundred times true for those two who got to know her every single day. So we're grateful uh, for Josh always. Um, but for the fact that he gave Callie such a nice home, she was a rescue dog. Yeah. She, she was, was a rescue a, pup. She was a stray who was uh, not doing great uh, in, she was just over the border in, in Mexico back when Josh was living in, in Southern California. I can't remember if she was a Tijuana dog, um, but she was, yeah, she was all, you know, mangy and this little tiny puppy with these hilarious ears. And uh, she was picked up by rescue and Josh and Ella ended up adopting her. And uh, I still remember when Josh said, yeah, we're going to, I think, foster this little puppy for a little while. And I was like, no, you just got a puppy. There is no way there's no way that you foster this adorable puppy and you're like, all right, we'll let her move on to somewhere else. No, you just have a dog now. Um, So with with anybody out there, uh, you know, your pets, your dogs, your cats, your whatever else, hug them a little tighter for uh, for Josh and Ella and for all of us tonight. And um, that'll do it for this week's episode of the show before the show. Again, you can get in touch with this podcast at MILB.com. You can find us all on social media uh, at Josh Jackson, MILB, if you so desire, uh, at Ben's Biz, at Sam Dykstra, MILB, and I am at Tyler Mon. And uh, for all those guys, I'm Tyler. Looking forward to the fans episode next week, and we will talk to you then. 